welcome to a very special podcast from Neo Japanismo. This is Mark C. And we are going to be talking today about the band Citrus as part of an introduction to an upcoming interview we are doing with the founder of Citrus uh, and also of the band Yoga and Ants, Takeaki Emori. And we will be talking to Trevor of the Queens, New York based record label Music Related. And Trevor is probably the world's biggest Citrus fan ever. That seems pretty extreme, but I'll take it anyways. So, uh, first of all, when did you discover Citrus? 99 to, or 2000, randomly downloading Totoria-label-related stuff. Was it that soccer compilation? Oh, yeah. It was Colo Colo Meets the Stripes. Okay. Let's hear Colo Colo Meets the Stripes in its entirety. <laughs> sticks out at you that's like a solo piece that's like a two-minute album within itself when we like originally met in i think 2001 you seemed to be extremely obsessed with citrus and i i vaguely knew about them because they were on trattoria i think i knew one or two songs but i didn't really know that they were a band you could obsess over because first of all they have no albums well that's what makes it so easy to obsess over citrus is um as i'm sure we'll, we'll get to later is that um yeah they don't have any albums and a lot of their material is extremely hard to uh, get your hands on and is pretty much scattered all over the place. I mean, especially by 2001 or so, they're pretty much officially broken up. There's no label support. Stuff is getting on to six, seven-year-old releases. There were already limited prints to begin with. So it makes it almost the complete inavailability of this group that makes it something that was extra fun to try to collect because it just wasn't available outside of Japan. I'm trying to do this from New York, you know, which still, even compared to any place else, seems like it'd be easy, and it's just it wasn't it was it wasn't available. No one knew about it. You know, there was there was no way to get this stuff without just hunting for it. Let's talk also about what, what Citrus sounds like because 
They started out kind of like just a bad lo-fi indie band. I mean, is that pretty fair, right? It has to be fair. I mean, um, pretty much borders on annoying, not in like a good way, more as in like we really can't play our instruments or like sing that well. And it's mostly, you know, acoustic guitar and singing and miscellaneous sounds. I don't even understand how they got any of their early records out. I mean, before they were on Tutoria, of course, this is like the stuff before Tutoria. It's either just random samples or them poorly playing, sort of poorly written songs. Right. And then Citrus Plants for Kids was like... They're one like, sort of album. You're right. But it's like kind of bad indie pop plus a lot of like TV samples. I think there's about two and a half really short songs on there and then 10 tracks of recordings from TV shows. <laughs> falls more into like the early Japanese noise scene than like a legitimate indie pop record. Yeah. I mean, what's so weird too is uh, Trattoria was Oyama Nakego, aka Cornelius's kind of like sub-label within Polystar, which is already a pretty indie label. And I guess, I mean, they were putting out weird stuff, but it, it's just weird that Oyamana heard those records and was like, man, we got to get these guys. I would have never listened to those recordings if it wasn't for the later recordings. Like they're not really good they're more of an oddity then the trattoria stuff i guess there's four eps yes and they're all like pretty much amazing with the first one they recorded the song symbol hit and that pretty much like i think to find the citrus sound for you know like the next what eight years
what is it about it? The, the acoustic guitar plus the kind of uh, dance music drums? Yeah, I mean, at the time, and if you think about when that EP was released, which I believe would be 96, you have a synth bass line and sort of a drum machine going, but then you have acoustic guitar instead of electric and real drums and like a real pop song. So it's like the pastels meet techno, but then it was sort of high energy. It was fast. It was a punk rock song. It was like two minutes long. You know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, we're done. You couldn't mix it. There's no way it was meant to be a dance track. They just improved upon that sound, but no one else copied it. Let's talk about the drum style. It's almost like an art form, how bad it is. At this point, I would hope we could throw a really quick clip in of the Citrus remake of the Yukari Rotten song, Kleisters, just as an example of how extreme the style went right as Citrus ended, or even after they ended. Yeah, by the end, I mean, I I can't confirm. I've never seen Citrus live. I've never been able to really talk production with anyone related to Citrus. But it, it would really sound like the drums are in some really weird places as they, as he was trying to play them. Right. It's it, it's not just like he's bad. I mean, if he were just bad, it would it would be pretty boring. Like, he's yeah. gloriously bad. Yeah, it would just, like, I, I've actually been trying to sort of learn to play the drums a little bit, and he's not bad at playing the drums. She's just really flailing away in the drums. And then there are edits of adding more live drums over the live drums that are still more off time to create fills. And it's a really weird effect that no one's mimicking. Yeah, I mean, no one else does it. No one else does it. I've never heard it anywhere else. Yeah, your drums always gotta be perfect. Everyone's drums are always perfect. let alone layering you know the drum machines with badly not badly but controlledly off-timed drums normally should ru- it would ruin any kind of dance groove right like even the most dancey stuff isn't dancey you wouldn't really dance to it you definitely bob to it you know or rock out to it though it's you know either very techno influenced or whatever it's still it's rock or punk i guess punk would be they'd be happier with being called punk probably yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's like punk in spirit, but... But sugar in execution. Realistically, like, Cola, Cola, Music Stripes, or, like, Rhythm Wave have, like, epic choruses. Just, like, sugar pop choruses. Right, with, like, wind chimes and... Wind chimes, keyboard strings, like, the whole thing. And then it'll, you know, fuzz out with some, you know, guitar distortion and go back to their extremely thin bass and drums chanting thing or something. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, 
freestyle, they're the only people who have done it and probably pulled it off that I've heard. And I've, I've looked, like, aggressively. You know, in some ways, a part of Music Later was set up to attempt to find the next Citrus, and Citrus was broken up. Now, like, let's talk about the influence of Citrus, because, you know, yeah, I mean, it's hard to find anyone you could be like, oh, they're just doing what Citrus did. But at the same time, when all those kind of new, when that new generation of indie kids came out, like Sonic Coaster Pop and Plastic Squeeze Box, they were all into Citrus. And I, I had talked to uh, Hayashibe from Plastic Squeeze Box, and he kind of admitted that Citrus was one of his biggest influences. I mean, you could go through basically that whole Usaga-chan group, that Tokyo Electropop sound. They all seemed to pretty much, you know, know Citrus. Like, they had the recordings. But it was hard to always gauge whether they knew them and liked them or if they were actually an influence or if they were trying to be like them. Obviously, Sonic Coaster Pop would be the closest attempt at ripping off Citrus. I mean, I want to say they because they weren't. They weren't ripping them off, but it was the closest... from from Imori-san on the first CD? Yeah, the first CD even had a quote basically designating Sonic Coaster Pop to be the next Citrus. But they, they were the closest with the techno-punk sound, but it was much more polished and much more pop. You know, no live drums. Right. No mistakes. I mean, it was kind of like so cleaned up. Yeah, there's no live instrumentation on the Sonic Coaster Pop stuff. But then Plastic Squeeze Box, some of the early tracks where you had this incredibly like different chorus from the verse i could be wrong and saying it's actually the song early riser but there's the one song so the, the one song that sort of everyone knew off their first album that was essentially colo colo misa stripes it's like a totally punk rock verse to like a techno chorus that's basically the same concept where you're you're taking these two polar opposite concepts and mixing them together into about a two minute two twenty second song <laughs> probably closer to the correct feel because of the use of live like live instruments they would use acoustic guitars or live drums more in line with a citrus kind of feel but then they end up going down much more spastic you know much more uh cornelius phantasma route i think later on than the stripped down sort of citrus feel yeah i mean the later plastic stuff they took that idea of putting two genres in the same song and then kind of extended that to be like, now we're going to take the entire Phantasma by Cornelius and put it in one song. They just sort of went on their own, they're down their own path, which is, you know, fine. I'm not saying that they would have been better off copying Citrus, 
But those are the two groups you listen to it. You're like, they have to be listening to Citrus. Or they had to have listened to Citrus and been, this is what I want to sort of do. But then, you know, develop their own sort of sound later down the road. But never really picking up what I consider the, the better parts of Citrus. They sort of abandon the better parts of Citrus to go to a more produced style. But it, it almost seems like Citrus was a musician's musician in the sense that, like, Cornelius liked them and... I mean, I would disagree a little bit. It seemed like they were almost more of like an artist's musician. If you liked more into the art and culture of music, you would like Citrus. Because technically, I mean, they were really just playing really basic chord structures, three to four chord chord structures, not really too technically savvy stuff going on there. Maybe it's producer's musician in the sense that like the production ideas are so influential. You can put headphones on and you can always hear sort of almost something new going on even though it sounds like a total mess sometimes. There's things where you're like, they had to do that intentionally, but it doesn't sound like it, and it would have been an amazingly extra pain in the butt thing to do. Like I've always pointed out to people with the track Wispy No Mercy from the EP Wispy No Mercy, there's a couple just specific words that are replaced by who's doing the vocals. Amori slips in there and sings just a couple of the words out of a line. That's a lot of extra trouble for something that is really barely noticeable. Or like those uh, kind of dueling vocals of Cole Cole Meets the Stripe where the lead singer Indo and then Nana are kind of singing. And they they release just the, the acapella of Nana's vocal on the 7-inch. Right. And she's just like so off. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how like she's not in the same universe as the song and just singing it. But when you put it together, it creates this incredible sound that you never hear anywhere it's, else. It's extremely weird. I mean, like basically you have... Two completely different vocals mixed together that sound correct, but when you separate them, you would never think they could ever go together. I have a thing I don't understand where he came from. I be going. I know nothing, you know nothing. Stand on corner, we see people going a side, man, baby. One day I saw through my own eyes He was walking through the mystery He is making creature going It is time for what he see People going, oh yes I do, baby So when Citrus broke up, Imori founded Tone Twilight Records and then put out kind of some random stuff once in a while but finally last year uh yoga and ants came out which is somewhat bossy french jazz rock but really if anyone out there thinks they know what that means they should hear this record because it's still really weird i would definitely put it closer to like a french bossa nova record and it's hard with like a strong south american influence i mean just i don't even know but there's definitely strong bossa nova jazz with you know the french vocals and sort of a french thing going on it just feels it feels french well i mean the lead singer's french well yeah i mean it, it helps that the vocals are in french by a french singer right you almost see guys sitting around with berets and bongos and like clove cigarettes making this record even though you know that's not what happened but it's like so polished and yet it's like still so weird i mean the the way that the production's done like there's just kind of weird audio experiment kind of stuff where they're just clapping and playing piano or it's just nobody nobody would make that record except for Imori, I think.
copy of the record and I've, I've sent it along to some friends and, and a lot of people don't pick up on you know what we're talking about. I don't bother explaining it. I'm like, you're just going to like this or you're, or you're not. Because it sounds pretty much nor- like a normal jazz pop record, more or less. Like my parents probably would really like the record without a problem. Totally, you could play it for your parents and they would think it's nice and great and very international and, you know, nice. It's a nice record. But yet there's very unnice things happening in the background. Yeah, I mean, it was released basically to, what, completely no fanfare? I don't think he even promoted it. I don't think I even saw... I didn't even know it was out until, like, almost seven months after it came out. And I'm, I'm me. If anyone would know there's a new citrus-related product, let alone an album out, I would know about it. But the Tone Twilight Records is a weird... It's been a weird experience, you know, from his early uh, Kimi Cree remix and uh, Yoshi production stuff to the more smooth jazz of yoga and ants style which is of course all alluded to on their ep splash from 98 <laughs> ほごと仲間キャンの受けちゃったんだけどそれをバネに白熱した yeah, which is very weird because you wouldn't like take these guys as being musicians like normally. Or into jazz. There's not there's nothing about the main core citrus sound that makes you think they like jazz. Yeah, no. You, you would pretty much peg them straight for a punk rock or techno people. So the the Yoga Nancy CD is definitely a uh, shot out of the blue. But it's really good. I mean, it's but at the same time, it's kind of like you took this genre. Which I think in Japan, everyone's pretty sick of because the entire 1990s was just like, how much bossa nova can we make? And how, like, you go to any cafe here and there's just like bossa nova on the soundtrack. Like, there's nothing new or interesting about bossa nova or kind of that kind of jazz sound or French jazz or any of that. And then they made an album that kind of reinvents it to make it have a lot more depth. I don't want to speak for anyone, but there almost seems to be this constant middle finger up to everyone coming sort of from Amori, but not aggressively, just more like he's taking a piss on everyone. Is when Bossanova was really big. He went and released a bunch of punk records, and then now that like no one wants to hear any Bossanova at all in the mid 2000s, he goes and releases a Bossanova record, essentially a post Shibuya K record. That's just sort of seems almost counterintuitive like right now people seem like they'd be more excited about hearing it's like a classic citrus record you know with all the you know various economic and, and world situations but instead he releases a fluffy bossa nova record completely against all trends in in japan any is there anything else that uh we haven't discussed about citrus well i mean first of all their whole association is weird the group of people involved in citrus is a weird group of people from studio musicians to clothing store owners. Yeah, I mean, Imori is a, write, a music writer right? as well as a musician. And he also is an illustrator. I mean, he does a lot of kind of crazy graphic design. And I think he's actually bit much busier with his graphic design than he is with music. I like to hope so, because they're sure now releasing a lot of music. 
Uh, the whole the whole thing is weird, and I know this interview you've done will probably I will probably have a bazillion more questions after the interview. Every liner note and every record just poses more questions because it seems like it's bigger than it should have been. But maybe that's the joke. I don't know. I mean, I think it was. I think they had this kind of weird, low ambition idea of putting out music. You know, no albums and only EPs and. All that, but at the same time, what they were making was so good that you can't really ignore it. Yeah, but in general, the music business, no one is that committed to such sort of unneeded concepts. I mean, it's not that, as I said, the lack of albums does make it more fascinating, especially when you don't really know anything and there's no information to be had. There's no Citrus websites. You're not going to Google this stuff. I think even the one or two websites that were up aren't there anymore. It's just gone. They're done. And so other than some loose references to Imori from Citrus is in Yoga and Ants, I think that's about all you're going to find at this point in history. But yeah, it seems like you'd almost have to not have enjoyed doing it to just really, it's just like, yeah, we're just not going to do this anymore. Because it's not like, as you said, it's not like they were bad. So it's puzzling. Everything about it to me is puzzling still. But the, but again, that's the appeal. That's the appeal. Just the half-assedness of the whole thing. EP's not having full artwork, just getting released with the insert and no J-card in a sense. But then there's all these stickers attached to the front, which always cost more production. You're like, why are you making things more difficult? Or why why are they making things look crappier on purpose? But the, the point also is that the conceptual jokes are so subtle. And like you almost have to be in the music business to get them. Or you have to like be a record label to get that joke or you have to be a music producer to get the jokes in in the music if you're just somebody you're not going to be like wow that was a huge concept i mean it's not like there's not a conceptual pop band in the sense of like doing things that's obvious yeah i mean i mean arguably they're one of the greater ripoff artists of like the japan music scene and that they released basically full price cds that were coming in like eight minutes long yeah i remember once making some joke that if you were like me and you had to import the cd at about $40 to get it here and it's about eight minutes long you know you're paying like a couple bucks a minute for music they really did the least amount of work to make uh the most amount of profit though I, I obviously that wasn't the goal because they wanted to make more money they could have obviously done an <laughs> album and more press yeah. or whatever right um but it has that allure where you're like here i sit with this almost definitive citrus collection and um it maybe clocks in at like 40 minutes, 45 minutes worth of music over a 10-year career. You could put everything they've done on one CD easily. Easy. No problem. You could probably listen to it while going to work in the morning. Listen to the whole career of Citrus that took them like 10 years to produce. And that's just like really strange. But again, part of the appeal. It, it wouldn't be appealing otherwise. If there was tons of it to be had, it wouldn't be neat. You know, there's a lot of bands that were great when they came out, but when you listen... In hindsight, then you can't get into it. But I think Citrus is still really so unique. You know, that you listen to the not really old Piscato 5, but mid-90s Piscato 5 stuff, like Magic Carpet Ride or um, et cetera, definitely is dated. And Phantasma quickly faded between 2000 and, and now. It still seemed pretty fresh, you know, going in 2000s, but now it, it doesn't really hold up. It definitely sounds a little bit dated. But, you know, you can go all the way back to Boat In and... I mean, it, you know, it's the analog tape and it's the sort of ragjag production, the non-pop aspect of the whole thing that it's the same reason you can keep going back to like Pastel Records or Sonic Youth Records or even, you know, or even Loveless by My Bloody Valentine kind of thing. There's just definitely 
it's a sort of a timeless sound, even though obviously it's very futuristic, the way the, the execution of the records, it never sounds dated. I don't know why. It should, but it doesn't. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, okay, well, thanks thanks for talking with us. And uh, I look forward to basically supplying you with this interview. Yeah, like basically, like I don't care what anyone else has. Um, if anyone else is to it, I want every single word of this interview. <laughs> really, you know, every cough, whatever it takes to to um, try to figure it out. To crack the code. Crack, uh, yeah, the crack the code. I mean, this is this is this is it for me. This is my Bible. I must figure it out. What it means, and live by it. <laughs>